0: Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 67th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. There's a little bit of news and a little bit of what I've been watching, and then we'll get on to today's topic. So as for news, there isn't much this week, but we will be getting news very soon because as of the recording it hasn't happened yet, but we will be getting the third muting from Tokyo Mew Mew New. This is the upcoming animation adapted from Tokyo Mew Mew. And I'm super excited because it's after every muting or meeting (laughs) that they have new announcements about the reboot. So I am really looking forward to what we will be finding out this time because last time we got all five girls and got to hear their voices in action for the first time. And that was super exciting. And now we don't know what we're going to get, but I will definitely keep you posted next week. (laughs) Also in other news, kind of tangentially related, Disney Pixar dropped the trailer for their latest movie, Turning Red. This is directed by Domi Shi, who directed that adorable short Bow. that, goodness, I don't even remember which movie it came out in front of because I was more interested in the short, to be honest, but it is a really exciting change of pace for Disney Pixar, and it looks like a really exciting movie, but I do think that it is... Again, tangentially related, so I just wanted to bring it up here because it is a very cute story about a girl who sometimes turns into a giant red panda. And yeah, I am definitely looking forward to seeing it. I can tell this is going to be the sort of movie that makes me cry, and I'm really excited to see what happens. But yeah, I think that is really all the news this week. There will probably be more news coming soon. It's that time of year. But for now, let's talk about what I've been watching. So this week I didn't finish anything nor did I start anything new that needs to be discussed. But yes, this week Tropical Rouge Precure was pretty big. A lot of stuff happened. A lot of lore was brought to the surface. It is really exciting. There has been so much chatter among fans about what things mean. I won't go into detail if you haven't watched it, but this is really proving itself to be a lot more of a serious season than you might have initially expected from the beginning. And yeah, it's just, it's super exciting. I think that my opinions about uh, how this kind of storyline will unfold is definitely related to my experience with the movie so I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to spoil anyone but I do disagree with a lot of fans about what's happening I think let's see Mickey powers not much to talk about this week it was a clip show episode nothing to say about it but I am definitely looking forward to seeing what happens next and as for watcha pre yeah, this week was pretty fun as well. Uh, (laughs) I've been joking, there's a lot of subtext in this series. But again, you know, it's my first pretty series. So I really don't know what to expect. Maybe what we're seeing is uh, very normal for the series. I I honestly have no idea. But um, yeah, I found this episode very charming. With that, let's go on to today's topic. (music) So, as we know, um, I have been slowly going through every single season of Pre Gear, and I've talked about most seasons on the podcast. And it is today that we get to talk about the second sequel season of Pre Gear. Say that three times fast. Yes, we're talking about Yes, Precure 5, Go, Go! So we talked about the first season, Yes, Precure 5. We talked about that uh, quite a while ago. That was a very fun episode, of course. You know, as always, when discussing these seasons, I try to keep them within the context of what was available. So even though, of course, it's very easy to compare, for example, this season's additional character to later cures, I try to keep in mind only what was around at the time, so only comparing this season to the seasons that had come before it. Yeah. (laughs) One of these days we will get more into detail talking about Precure as a whole franchise, um, maybe around the 20th anniversary because it's coming sooner than you might expect. Being someone who got into Precure in the third season of the franchise, I still feel like... It's really incredible to see over the years, like over half my life now, um, how much this series has grown and evolved and so on. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes next, but we will talk about that at another time. For now, we're going to focus on this one. And to talk about, yes, Precure 5 Go GO, I brought back on a returning guest, Dominique Davis. She was on Way back in episode five to talk about her original story, which she is still in development, working on uh, getting published. So I'm really excited for her there. Seeing where her career is going, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing more from her in the future in general, but especially with her magical girl story. A slight warning before we get to our chat Uh, I've mentioned this the last time we talked about this series, but Know, important to keep in mind when talking about this series is the unfortunate imbalance of power and age between uh, Nozomi and Koko. So we already talked about it before, but just as a warning in case you haven't listened to that episode and you haven't watched this season, that unfortunately is still continuing on in the second iteration of this team. So yeah, please keep that in mind. I've been rambling here, so let's go ahead and get to our chat with Dominique about Yes Precure 5. Go, go. Okay, so Today we are here to talk about Yes, Precure Five Go Go from 2008. This is the from the fifth iteration of Precure, but also the fifth wait, no, it's the third iteration, fifth season of Precure. And I'm very excited for a returning guest. Can you please introduce yourself?
1: Hello, my name is Dominique Davis, or you can call me Petal Romance, whatever best suits you. I'm a graphic novel artist illustrator and I have some stuff coming up in the future you might see. I have a little little webcomic you can kinda of read maybe, but um that's me. Nice to be back.
0: <laughs> Great. And you were here, yeah, back in episode five, so it's been quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about your original story. What is your your history with precure and this season in particular?
1: Uh, My history with Precure is I started watching it back in high school, early high school. So I'd say my second year of high school, I was having a hard time kind of transitioning into my sophomore year. And I just wanted something like light to watch. And I remember being on Tumblr at the time. A lot of people were kind of talking about like Pretty Cure, and I had always loved Magical Girl stuff at the time. Like, I grew up reading the Tokyo Mew Mew manga, the Mermaid Melody manga. Yeah, I read all of those, had them all. Kimi Chama Karen, love that one. And it had been a while since I really got really deep into a series, since I was, like, in middle school. So I started watching Heart Precure first, and I watched all of that, loved it. Amazing, probably my favorite season. And then after that, I started watching Smile Precure as it was airing in that year. So I guess this was probably 2015, 2014, somewhere around there. And after that, I've just kind of been watching series like on and off. So I think I've seen the majority of Go Princess. I've seen Bits and Pieces of Fresh Precure. Same with Sweet Precure. And... I watched a lot of All, of Mode. all of Mode is probably my second or third favorite. And then a few episodes of Tropical Rouge. So I know enough. <laughs> I know enough about the franchise. I like going back between the older seasons and the newer seasons because they all have something different to offer. And I just think the girls are really cute and they have like a really special message that I think a lot of people can learn from,
0: even though <laughs>
1: like it might be geared towards children.
0: Yeah, and definitely this season is no different in terms of having its messages. Other than Tropical Rouge Precare, what else have you checked out in the world of Magical Girls in the past year since you've been on the podcast? Ooh, in the past year,
1: what have I looked at Magical Girl-wise? I've been looking at a lot of, not reviews, but like deep analyzation videos on stuff. So. Mm. I watched like this really good deep dive on Utana earlier this year. I think it was like an hour and a half really just breaking down like all of the like hidden themes and messages in that in the show in the movie and then like how that kind of coincides with the manga and how things kind of change. I also have the manga. I haven't read it yet because it's so pretty. If you haven't seen it, please try and like get the like the full box set series of the manga. It is so beautiful and I don't want to like ruin it, so it just sits in my living room as decoration at this point. But it was just really interesting to see how the themes change throughout all three of the the media from the show, the movie and the manga, but also just like subtle things and like how their hair changes and like I didn't pick it up at first even though I'd seen the show a few times, but the way the reviewer really went into it was beautiful. I've watched the Sailor Moon Eternal movies. <laughs> I did not finish them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've realized when it comes to Sailor Moon, I'm very I'm not gonna say a purist, but I'm I'm very much so like, I like it the way I originally saw it. And I'm not gonna say that the Eternal movies aren't good. They're good as their own thing and I like how they follow the manga at the same time I feel like with the newer iterations of Sailor Moon they don't really have the what is it the je ne sais quoi that the 90s version has <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> it's hard for me to really enjoy them in comparison but it was pretty that's valid I don't think I've really seen that much magical girl media this year I like I said I watched a few episodes of Tropical Rouge and another season of Precure oh I can't remember the name right now it was the one with the with the Zodiac
0: theme Star Twinkle
1: yes I watched I think like five or ten episodes of Star Twinkle Very cute. I liked how it started off. I liked that very like interterrestrial vibe. I might go back and finish that. Or I might go back and finish Tropical Rouge when it's all over. I think this has been an interesting year for me in which like I've started series that are magical girls, but a lot of them have slow starts and I haven't been very patient this year. So I think I also started Ooh, what is it? Madoka Magia Record. Yeah, Maggie, record. I started an episode or two of that, didn't finish it. Should probably give it another chance, <laughs> but it—they're on my radar.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just been a hectic year.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, especially if you're like trying to get into something and it's like still airing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually gonna feel a little slow, but yeah, there's a lot of Maggie record still yet to go I've, from my understanding there's gonna be another season so oh really i, I didn't know it's still going i think it's either it's in the middle of the second season or the second season just finished but there's gonna be a third season at the end of the year oh wow so, yeah and yuki yuna just started again so there's like a lot of oh new stuff. Wow. i didn't know
1: that either
0: <laughs> yeah There's definitely, you know, a lot of Magical Girl stuff to consume even in the past year, so makes perfect sense. But yeah, so let's get into Precure 5 Go Go. So (laughs) first, the name is so fun. Go Go as a thing has been, I feel like that's been a thing in Japanese fiction basically since its first iteration in Speed Racer, but actually not sure. I should probably look that up before I say stuff <laughs> that I can't, you know, verify. But that's my understanding anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so yes, Precure 5. Uh, we actually had an episode of this on podcast uh, quite a while back. But just for anyone who has not watched that season or listened to that episode... Yes, Precure 5 is the first 5 Precure team, and really the first like color-coded team of Precure, so it is a season that really uh, establishes a lot of the, I guess, current tropes of Precure that we have come to expect. But yeah, we start off with 5 girls, as the name suggests, the main character being Nozomi Yumehara, or Cure Dream, she is pink, and then we have... Um, Her best friend, Uri Natsuki, who is Cure Rouge. Her theme color is red and she is uh, (laughs) fire-powered. Then we have Urara Kaskano who is Cure Lemonade or, I guess, really a light-based character. Then there's Komachi Akimoto or Cure Mint, who is green. Karen Minazuki, who is blue, uh, Cure Aqua. So yeah, we have those five girls to start and, you know, we have a whole adventure with them fighting off this evil group called Nightmare, the Nightmare Corporation. And uh, of course, this is going off with the fact that like the main theme is dreams and hope. But this second season, we have a new villain and... Some new characters to go along with things, and then a new hero to join the group, which is interesting because this is the this is the second Precure season to do this. Um, we have not talked about Max Heart yet on the podcast, but it's kind of similar in that the new member is not actually a Precure per se, but she is basically a Precure. She's just a different kind of magical girl uh, who's a little special. But yeah. What is it about this season that you like?
1: I like how it sets, like, it's not like you said before. I like how it sets up the rest of Free Cure later on. So I like how we do have this big group of girls, or we had it in five. But, you know, I like how we get to continue seeing their story this season, the second season around, and seeing how, you know, the girls progress and getting to see more of their friendship and stuff. But I also like how it expands on the world and just like the world building of like a corporation. But this time it's different and it's not just like a magic evil. It's it's a magic evil, but it's a little bit more rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. And I like to see, you know, just kind of like how the girls really go like go against it. And we kind of talked about this before the show, but I think there really is a lot more action in this series too. So in the episode that we're going to talk about later they're really fighting this season. There's a lot of like fist fighting and like punching and holding and kicking. Mm -hmm. And I think that really stands out compared to, you know, some of the later seasons, which are still amazing, but there's a difference between a magical attack and like a, like a physical attack. And you can really see that this season, I think.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing, especially considering the origins of Precure are definitely very combat heavy certain seasons have had less or more fighting and it seems to be based on audience reaction from my understanding Mm. this is one of those things where like sometimes information is given out only in magazine interviews and then After those magazines are not published, you can't find that information anymore. So there's a lot of stuff that like kind of becomes whispers and it's hard to confirm certain things. But my understanding is, you know, over the years, there have been different reactions to the levels of violence in the series. And that's why there have been such adjustments. But I think the main reason that there was not as much fighting in the first Yes Precure 5 season is just because there was suddenly a lot more girls and so there was a lot more to animate in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was brought to my attention by another former guest of the podcast Rose that there's a lot of uh, characters getting captured and thus being unable to move. <laughs> but this season there is a lot more fighting and it's really fun. There's also, you know, of course, more magical attacks and things, but yeah. Yes. Before we meet the first uh, villain, we meet our uh, new kind of fairy type character who is... Our new uh, boy! Ah, Syrup. He's a delivery boy. He likes... It's it's his job to deliver the mail and he takes it very seriously. He also can turn into a giant bird that people can ride, which is very convenient. (laughs) He's so cute. He is very cute. He's a great character. And he comes to... Uh, Nozomi who has been looking for a way to send a letter to the Palmyra kingdom because it's been quite some time since the end of the first season and she wants to contact her friends right Coco Nuts and Milk who we met in the first season but (laughs) she she doesn't know how to send mail to them because they're in another dimension and Syrup shows up with a letter from a mysterious Flora who is Basically, I guess a goddess, definitely a guardian in any case, of the Cure Rose yeah, Garden. Yeah. She is tasking the Precure with, they are going to be tasked with opening the door to the Cure Rose Garden, so they get the rose packed. And that's when they meet Eternal, who is our villainous corporation this season. So there are a lot of villains this season, just like last season. We're not gonna be able to talk about all of them. As far as like the general minions go, they're all similarly based on bugs or other kinds of pests. Some sea creatures, it depends. Um and then there's also the very different Shibureta who is a mushroom lady. <laughs> there's just like a lot going on with the villains but They basically house a museum to keep forever all of these um, really important artifacts from around the world and throughout time. It's not like a museum in that you can go and look at these things. It's just like basically a storage facility. But I believe the front of the Eternal Building does look like a cross between the um, New York Metropolitan Museum and the British Museum. And I don't think that's a coincidence, but yeah. Very essential. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And our monsters of the week this season are Hoshina, which means I want it. Right. So they're monsters of Mm. desire uh, in a different way from the kind of hope and desire that you might experience thematically with the Precure. but. Yeah, and this is also a really good season for upgrades in not just their outfits, but also their transformations. This is a very interesting kind of like in-between, because before this, uh, and this is up to and including Yes Precure 5, the transformations were pretty static. The girls are just kind of standing and the things are happening around them. But this season, they're more active and it kind Mm -hmm. of moves on towards the incredibly active uh, transformations that we've come to know and love from Precure.
1: I think what you said about the Hoshinos this season really reminded me of you kind of talking about how the Eternal Corporation is all about greed. I think it really sets that intention really strongly. So it's like how you said, the girls really want to, you know, succeed and have their dreams come true. But the Eternal Corporation's their dream is just to whore to themselves. I think right. it's a very, really good, strong conflict app set up this season.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. It's like they both have their wants, but they're different kinds of wants. And it's kind of understanding the different like aspects of desire, which I think is a really good you know, message for kids as well. Basically, yeah, Eternal is all about wanting what it can't have. And it wants the Rose Pact because it wants to be able to access that Cure Rose Garden Mm -hmm. And along the way, this is one of those seasons that has like the same opening throughout the entire season. So for the first 10 weeks, we see this mysterious purple haired character in the opening. We don't know who she is. (laughs) It's a very interesting slow burn to get to our new member of the team.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Once she's there, it does feel like, oh, she was always there. But of course she wasn't. But yeah, we get a new member, Milky Rose. So again, she is not a cure, which actually ends up becoming quite important by the end. But she is another magical girl and has her own set of transformation items and attack items and so on. So it's uh yeah interesting of course mostly because you need more toys but um yes (laughs) more collectibles (laughs) yes but she also kind of completes the rainbow because she is a purple themed uh i don't keep saying cure she's not a cure Uh, but a purple themed magical girl she's a cure to hearts (laughs)
1: yeah yes past like max heart it kind of starts this trend of like late coming cures which i think Mm -hmm. is very interesting
0: yeah let me think. Who are some other ones? Since Max Heart and Precure 5 Go Go are the only ones that are sequel full seasons, they are kind of unique in their own way, both Milky Rose and Shiny Luminous. But yes, after that, you know, we get the idea of the mid season cure, which mm-hmm. is a character that appears and is also a cure part of the team in the middle of the season. Sometimes there's more than one. Yeah,
1: that is true. I (laughs) remember that. Sometimes there's more than one. Mm -hmm. But they're always very fun. I like the way they do it. They mix it up sometimes. They make it interesting. Yes. Especially like when you later learn about Milky Rose that you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, It's, it's very fun. I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can say, like, Milky Rose is the fairy milk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's not really a spoiler because it's from episode 10, right? But okay. also it's kind of in her name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a character who has been there since the first season. She appears about the middle of the first season. You know, just an additional fairy character who butts heads with Nozomi a lot. And she is also a character who's very based in, like, her wants, but especially for other people. And, yeah, she's a very fun character. She definitely can grow on you over time. I think that's kind of the point. (laughs) She's very Mm -hmm. fun. I know I kind of asked you to be on this episode because you had told me that you love Milky Rose and Milk. So
1: I do. why don't you talk
0: about her? Yeah.
1: I think that Milk is so cute I love her little personality and then getting to see her become Milky Rose and kind of like that importance for what it has this season it's just like you did it like it's her own little character arc and I I really enjoy that
0: Hmm. she's so sweet (laughs) and yes I think, yeah, um, you know, she doesn't even get to have a human form at all in the first season. So it can be a little bit of a surprise. Like, I mean, of course, qu- of course, her name does also suggest the connections pretty clear. But I mean, her personality doesn't exactly change when she's a human, but she does have to kind of get used to being human.
1: <laughs> yeah, she has to get used to being human. And I think... I her personality doesn't really change but when she's fighting she is serious. So yes. I think that is also something to note. When she fights it's it's not it's not a game.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's here to win. <laughs> yeah, she's so fun. Like she's so serious about fighting and yes. I mean I think it's like she took the Precure's role very seriously and then now that she has been given the ability to also transform and fight, she takes that very seriously as well. Yeah. So it's fun.
1: (laughs) It is. And another small thing I'd like to note that I just think is really adorable like character design wise is that her pigtails as Milky Rose like mimic her little floppy ears in her fairy form. And I think it's so cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Her style is so fun because like, she does look quite different from Milk because she is like very purple themed. And also, mm-hmm. her power comes from the rare blue rose, which is also interesting because there's not much blue in her uh, outfit at all. But, <laughs> right. She is definitely, you know, part of the team, but like the team is still called Precure Five. They don't change to six. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's just a front addition to the team, but we won't really acknowledge
0: it. Yeah, she's just really cute and like it's a great addition to the team. It does mean like because her transformation sequence is different from the girls. uh They don't transform together. You know, the other girls, they can kind of do like these like um they can shorten the animation up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but she has to always be separate. And same thing with her attacks as well. She joins them as they are. Working on their uh, new new quest, which is to use the Rose Pact to um, collect these palmies. Or sometimes they're random items, but they're specifically looking for the lost rulers of the four other kingdoms in the same, mm-hmm. I guess, dimensional plane as the Palmier Kingdom. We're looking for King Donuts, Queen Vava Roy? I cannot pronounce that for me, even though I took French, whatever. <laughs> princess crepe and king mont blanc and (laughs) i think it's because it's like baba roa in japanese but that's not technically correct in french and it's not even like actually a french word originally whatever it's fine but yeah so they are (laughs) all named after other french sweets very cute is a donut a french treat donuts are not originally french i think but uh, yeah it's fine (laughs) <laughs> so they're not all named after French sweets specifically, but they all are all named after Swedes.
1: I love that.
0: There's no reason to have that particular connection between all the characters. They are based in Chinese mythology, like their designs are inspired oh. by the four Guardian Beasts, which, you know, once you know that, like their designs make a lot more sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, when, she, when you said it, it clicked. <laughs> it clicked a little bit better.
0: Yeah, especially because it's like, they look very much like they are very specific. So once you understand that, it's like, oh, right, okay. You have the blue dragon, you have a red bird, you have a white tiger, and you have a black turtle. And once you see those together, it's like, oh, that is what that is. Otherwise, they look so random and yet so specific.
1: (laughs) Because it's like, I see the bird and the dragon now. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then you also have to like remember that like okay so they're fairies so they're not going to look exactly it's not going to translate over exactly Mm -hmm. because the first time I saw him I was like what
0: are you yeah I mean to be fair like even Coco and Nuts oh Nuts is pretty clearly a squirrel
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: Coco's supposed to be like a raccoon and it's like hmm
1: really okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah choice that they made yeah I mean, he's adorable, whatever he is, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like always the case with like, especially Precure, but like any magical girl, the kind of fairy or mascot type characters are always going to be very mysterious in terms of like what they are. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're very Pokemon-esque in which you can tell what they are sometimes, but then sometimes you have no idea what they are.
0: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, the major thing about this season is just mail in general because of Syrup Mm -hmm. and his little companion, Melpo, who's so cute. Just a little mailbox that can talk, kind of. (laughs) I should say at the beginning of the season, Milk is still in in the Pamir kingdom and is sending them letters all the time, like literally so many every day. And... (laughs) When she addresses it to them, she just draws a palm tree with coconuts on it, and that's how you know it is for cocoa and nuts. And I think that's really funny.
1: It is adorable. (laughs) Yeah, I think what you said a second ago about like the male influence in this season is very true. I think there is the most men in this season compared to any other series later on in the line.
0: Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean male-like men. I meant male-like Oh, yeah. <laughs> <letters>. <laughs> You're right. It's both of them. It is both. But yeah, there's... <laughs> but you are right. There are a lot of male characters, both with the villains and also, like, the other fairies.
1: Because we have the two kings, Mont Blanc and Donut. And then mm-hmm. we have Syrup, Coco, and Nuts. And then... I don't think the mailbox has a gender, but
0: <laughs> I don't think yeah, so either. Just, no,
1: uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> a lot,
1: and then what is it? The curator boss, and then like all the other men in Eternal. So many men this season.
0: There are a lot of men. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we're not going to talk about all of them. There are a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the boss, uh, the curator, is mm-hmm. uh, also a guy. I, I don't know if it's like intended to be that way but yeah it just happens to be but yeah so they you know over time they have to like uh, meet each each of these rulers and help them heal up from the devastating attacks from Eternal I suppose and it's like it's not quite clear but I'm, I believe it's that.
1: They have to go on vacation for a little while. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> once they're all better, then they give them a card like, here's how you reach me. And then they go on off on their merry way back to their kingdom. <laughs> because the point is, once they're all four connected, then they can open up the door to the Rose Garden with the rose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other particular villains that you want to talk about? Like, I guess, who stands out for you the most?
1: I think... Condy stands out the most to me. One, because I think when you originally asked me to be on the podcast, we kind of talked about her design. And then, mm-hmm. like, kind of seeing her move in action and stuff. The design makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense in movement compared to on paper. Mm-hmm. And I really just like the snake imagery she has. Mm-hmm. But also kind of, like, this unrequited love thing she has going on. Mm-hmm. And how that kind of plays off. It's very interesting because Anacondi, the curator, and Floral?
0: Flora,
1: yeah. Yeah, Flora, yeah, Flora. There's like this weird, unrequited love triangle going on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think it definitely adds to this season where there is a lot of mm, romance kind of happening. Not as much, but like there's like a decent amount of romance happening this season. And this definitely ties mm-hmm. into it. And even a thing I later read with Anacondi in specific, not liking Milky Rose because of her resemblance to Flora and that disdain she has, that she's very multidimensional and I really like that.
0: Mm. Yeah, we'll definitely get more into that love triangle in a bit (laughs) for anyone who has not seen the character Anacondi. She's definitely meant to be kind of like a Gorgon, like Medusa, right? Yeah. When she is in her, like, true form, her hair is snakes. But when she's not her in her, like, full form, when she's, like, kind of, I guess, passing for human, her hair does look more like, um, I think you specifically told me it's, like, when white people get dreadlocks.
1: It kind of looks like that. And then, like, when you see her moving and stuff, like, it's easier to see they're, there like, these giant ringlet curls. They're just very stiff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They seem to be like very large curls. It's not exactly clear what the texture is, but if I had to guess, yeah. It's kind of like, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose. But her design is interesting and she is a, a very interesting part of the team because she spends most of the season kind of just bossing other characters around because she's like the second in command. And she's always, like, trying to make sure that everything is going as planned or, like, talking to other villains about what their plans are. It's a very interesting structure also just because it's made very clear that, like, once a villain is defeated, Eternal acts like they were never there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. (laughs) Like, both of these, yes, Precure 5 seasons make me so terrified of, like, corporations in general. It's like, as an adult, like, oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I think what's Hmm. even worse is that, like, at least in Precure, they can fight them. (laughs) Yeah. We can't, like, it's a lot harder as a as a regular human to go up against a, a huge corporation. But kudos exactly. to Nozomi and them for actually being able to take a fist to them.
0: Right, yeah. It would be really nice. I mean, obviously there are ways that we can not punch them exactly, but, you know, there are a lot of things going on, especially, I think, in the past year regarding that, mm-hmm. but... um Yeah, (laughs) it's still like so terrifying and like it's not just this one also um, Hug Precure as well has like a corporation and that at least in that one, the villains don't like disappear forever and are erased from the history of the company. Uh, But yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, quite a few other characters, they're like major opponents for a while before they get defeated. But again, there are so many. I do think that another character that we should talk about is Shibireta just because her episodes are so different from the other ones. Mm-hmm. she has like a giant mushroom instead of hair she's named after a type of psychedelic mushroom and oh. that kind of goes along with her attack which is she'll take a, a classic fairy tale and just put the girls in the story and they have to like defeat a monster to get out of it and it's, it's always really interesting to see those episodes because they go through a bunch of different like European fairy tales but they also go through some Japanese stories and yeah, it's um, it's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they they really make good use of that power. Honestly, mm. it kind of reminds me of the storybook theme they do later on in Smile Precure.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That I mean, that's like more of the the theme of that whole season. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, those are the only two uh, women in the corporation, which is interesting. You know, you know
1: what? It makes sense <laughs> now that you now that we kind of talk about it. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's, like, this old lady who's, like, very stuck in her ways. It, she refuses to, like, change up her, her story or like or how she does things and ends up getting punished for it, basically. And then, yeah, you have Anacondi, who is basically there out of love, which is, like, not a good way to have a job.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, ever. like, it's dedication, but it's not the right kind of dedication. She's dedicated to mm-hmm. the company only because of her love, not because of the job, really,
0: yeah, so it's um, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The other ones, I don't want to say they're aggressive. Like, Boomby is definitely not aggressive. Boomby is the same as always. It's interesting because I found him kind of uninteresting the first season. But like mm-hmm. this season, I think I finally got why he's so popular. He's kind of representing the everyday guy. I, I don't want to say guy. Everyday person who is like stuck in a job and is like, wait, is this seriously what we're doing now? What's going on? Like, questioning everything and then eventually getting kicked out for it. But because he leaves early, like, and he's like, okay, I have to find a job somewhere else. He survives every time because that's how he survived Nightmare and then he survived Eternal. So I think it's really funny.
1: It is. And it's really much kind of like going with more of like that corporation idea of like, if you're I guess like around like our age he's not the the ceo he's not even the second in command he's the guy who has to deal with the backfire the backlash so Mm. it's not like he really wants to fight the precure it's just kind of the job
0: yeah it's just so funny it's like well the first evil corporation didn't work out i gotta get this one then (laughs)
1: gotta try the next one
0: he's literally shown getting jobs at like other places and like uh, even trying to work with the Precure when he's like defecting, so it's just very funny. He's very interesting for that reason. He's a very relatable character. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does show up in Hug Precure when they have all the characters from all the previous seasons
1: come oh, back. Oh, really? He also
0: shows up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, he must be really popular. <laughs>
1: Especially yeah. the fans. Fans wanted him to be there. They said, okay, well, maybe he has a job over here now. That's mm-hmm. fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but again, like, I found him not very interesting the first time around, but, like, this time it kind of works. Like, I don't know. Can't, we had more time, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, more time to get to know him. More time
0: to enjoy his
1: personality.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, true for, like, all the characters. And I think we don't have as many uh, episodes, one-off episodes for each Each character like we did in the first season where like we can really start to know all these different aspects of the characters. Like it's like really only like one or two episodes each for each character, which kind of I guess it's kind of overall okay because it is the second season. But I think that Mm -hmm. that is one of the things like it's become more focused on Nozomi. And then also because we have new characters like Syrup, we have a lot of episodes focused on him as he tries to figure out because he has amnesia and he doesn't know what he was doing previously like before the season started so he's trying to figure out that stuff and his connection to the cure rose garden and all of that yeah
1: yeah and i think especially with adding not only syrup but also like milk but this time as like a human adds another another layer that is kind of like harder to do like to dive deep into so it's like it's one thing when there's five people now there's Even more (laughs) because there's more fairies and the fairies are doing a lot. There's so many characters. So Mm. with the second season, they're really using the time that they have to progress the the story forward the best they can, with giving enough information without getting. I'm not gonna say stuck on the characters, but without trying to like, I guess, redo the same things they might have did the first season. Mm -hmm. It helps the pacing. Yeah. But I think like it's like you said if you do have a favorite character and it's not one of the newer characters you might not get to see them do like really specific things that are super tailored to them this season.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to love Nozomi the most, so I benefited the season, I suppose. And it was really fun to see stuff. There's a lot of stuff surrounding Udara because there's a lot of stuff with her and syrup. Where like the romance in these two seasons is very curious, where it's like everything is very heavily implied but doesn't come to fruition exactly. I know there is a kiss in one of the movies, but we're not going to talk about the movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just thinking about the actual TV show itself, like the romance is all like almost there, but not quite. So like there is a, a strong implication that Syrup and Udara, who are similarly aged, we don't know how old Syrup actually is, but we can guess like he seems to be about the same age as the other girls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 13, 14.
0: Yeah. So he's kind of like seemingly paired with her a little bit, but nothing actually happens, you know? So There's that. But there is still stuff with Nozomi and Coco, which we've already talked about is not great because he's too old for her. (laughs) Yeah. He's too old for her, period. Like there's really not much more to say about
1: that. Yeah. Like, it's like we talked about earlier. Well, first of all, he's a king at the end of the series. And then second of all, he was our teacher, Mm -hmm. that's enough red flags for me
0: (laughs) yeah exactly his relationship to her is not great because like there's clearly still like this idea like there's still feelings nothing happens but it's still like why are we still pushing this especially they bring it all back at the very last episode which we'll get to later but like yeah it's just um it's a little frustrating that that is a constant they're not like, hey, this is actually no good. In fact, because there aren't a lot of episodes where they are at school or we see Coco working as a teacher. In fact, he probably should be doing a lot more work as a teacher if he's really a teacher.
1: Right now that I think about it, don't you have a job to do, sir?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just uh, it's very frustrating. But yeah. <laughs> you know, I already went into it the first time that we talked about the series. So I'm not going to really touch upon it too much right now, but it's still kind of there. It's still a problem. I think the thing that really frustrates me about it is that even when they're not in a school setting, he's still kind of acting like a teacher to her,
1: mm-hmm. if that makes
0: sense, where he's like trying to like help her learn a lesson and stuff, and it's like... This is a weird relationship. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: Like yeah. it's just an interesting dynamic because Coco and Nuts are about the same age, and they're not the same age as Syrup, if I'm correct, right?
0: Yeah, they're definitely older.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like you have like your your middle school age girls. You have Syrup now, who's like twelve, thirteen, or whatever. But then you have like these two grown men, mm-hmm. and you know I understand they have a kingdom to protect but it's also like the dynamic between all it is very touch and go at times.
0: Yeah so it's it's weird yeah it's not it's not good <laughs> I think the other thing is like so the characters definitely exist for a different target audience than like the main kids mm-hmm. that are watching the show. They're definitely there for like the moms during the time that they you know, we're do- running this particular series. They also were doing the, um, what's it called? There was like a radio show with the voice actors for Cocoa and Nuts. Um, oh. So that was definitely not for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like this really weird thing where it's like, they're, they're trying to appeal to a different part of it and then cause a lot of problems in the narrative because of that, you know? Yeah, so that is, that's that. Just before we continue, because we're talking about stuff like later on, but I do want to talk about episode 10, which is the episode where Milky Rose first appears. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you get us started? Because this is the one you wanted to talk about. (laughs) Yeah,
1: this is the one I wanted to talk about. It's like... It's one of my favorites in like, the beginning of the series or the beginning of the season. I do like the opening though. I like how they introduce her up, but episode 10 really pulled my attention. And I guess like episode 9, kind of, because it was setting up episode 10. But the mm-hmm. idea that um, King Donut was just kind of like, hey, it's kind of been told that like, there's a prophecy that the precursors are in danger and that something bad is going to happen. And. Mm. The rest of the episode, you know, well, we do have this moment with Bunby that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier when he kind of hears, like, they're gonna lay us off. They're gonna, they're not gonna let us, like, work with them anymore. They don't need us anymore. So, like, what are we gonna do? So, Mm. I'm pretty sure the clash in this episode was between Bunby and Scorp and the Preakers. Yes. And it was just such, like, this intense moment because. Cocoa, Nuts, and Syrup had got captured, I think, before the girls could, like, get to meet with them. And I know they had had their own reservations, like, Cocoa and Nuts and Syrup, and then were feeling very anxious about, like, this prophecy from King Donut. So for the girls to really see, like, you know, their friends slash mentors be in this helpless position, it was really like one of those, like, oh man, we gotta, like, get together moments. So... This is when I, it also really clicked for me too. Like the girls are fighting, fighting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they were flipping the men over. They were kicking them. They were punching them. They were like going all at it to save them. And you really did feel it when they weren't winning. Cause you know, we all know the precures are not like, they're not weak. They're very strong. They're very powerful. And that's just the power that comes of being a precure. But you know, they were like, why are you trying so hard? For these these fairies they can't even protect themselves so why why do you care this is just what's supposed to happen to them and they're like no these are our friends like obviously we want to make sure our friends are safe and like seeing them get back up again just like one of my favorite tropes of just like the genre of magical girls like even though like we're we might be getting pushed back or so or so right we're still going to continue to fight for things that matter to us and that really clicked and then to see milky rose show up and be able to like help fight is amazing and turn the tide of the battle because they wouldn't have been able to win that without her being there Mm -hmm. and then also like her demeanor in her debut was very interesting because you know we talked about it milky rose is milk but to see her debut as milky rose is a very serious fighter and not even really introduce herself was just very poignant to me. And like a beautiful character introduction in my eyes. And just a really solid episode, I feel. I, I really love that. They really encaptured the emotions really well on that episode.
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess if part of me was comparing it a lot to shiny luminous because that was the only other time it had been kind of done before this way. So Mm -hmm. in the case of Shiny Luminous, like, you see this very slow uh, progression of Hikari trying to figure out who she is because she was, like, born a middle schooler the day before, you know, like, it was just, like, very much, (laughs) she's just like, uh, I'm a human, I don't understand, like, what is life, you know, and she's, like, trying to understand, like, all these things and then, like, eventually ends up turning into Shiny Luminous, but it's, like, it's almost passive how it happens, but, like th- this introduction of Milky Rose is very active, and like, yes, I think she definitely was enjoying not telling the girls that she was milk. I think she was definitely doing that on purpose, like, she's like that, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it was definitely her little, her fun little secret for a while, yeah. Because even if I think to like later joining cures and stuff. Mm -hmm. a lot of them typically are hanging around the cures and you can kind of have like an idea of like how it might go but milky Mm -hmm. rose is just kind of like yeah i'm milky rose you're not who i am (laughs) for a few couple episodes (laughs) yeah the way that she comes in the battle reminds me of how uranus and neptune were introduced in sailor moon back in um season three Mm -hmm. And how the girls were like, well, who are you? And then they're like, don't worry about who we are and stay out of our business. (laughs) Like, very standoffish uh,
0: meeting. Right, right. Absolutely. It's very fun. Like, she is intentionally being very aloof. And then, like, even when she reveals herself, like, she becomes a human form. And then she's like, oh, well, my name is Kurumi Mimino. I... I'm going to go to your school now, but I'm also Milky Rose. And they still don't put it together that it's milk until, like, there's, like, an event that causes her to, like, lose all her energy and she, like, has to revert back to her fairy form. (laughs) And it's just really funny that, like, they don't. In fact, I think Nozomi was like, wait, Milk, why are you here? You missed meeting Milky Rose. Like, (laughs) it's really ridiculous. And it's like... She's very uh, silly like that. But it's very funny to see that, like, kind of dynamic. She was definitely having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There aren't really other cures like that, I think, when it comes to mid-seasons. Like, I suppose for sweet pre-cures mid-season, like, final cure, it was mm. kind of that. But it wasn't really for fun. Yeah.
1: Because... Yeah. I think there's like two different kind of like late cures. So it's like the friend to cure, or the fairy to cure, or then there's like the enemy to cure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those are very interesting because there's been quite a few of the the latter. So mm-hmm. those dynamics are different compared to like we are we are already friends and now we have right.
0: powers. She's super fun as a member of the team and like her dynamic as a human is also very fun. So she also has like a major crush on Coco, but it's also like, because he is a prince and all Mm -hmm. of that, you know, but then there's one of the four rulers, uh, Princess Crepe is also like, oh, I'm going to get married to Coco one day. And everyone's like, say what?
1: (laughs) Crepe says she's here to ruin y'all's fantasies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, she might be the best option, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. She's so funny. She shows up out of nowhere. So, like, yeah.
1: I think that probably makes her more of a threat because they're like, okay, well, we're friends with Coco, but Coco's a king now and she's a princess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was, like, this interesting thing where it's like, I feel like that whole story arc kind of made me think, like, well... There's still so much we don't really know about Coco and Nuts's past. And like, this was also for Nozomi to see, like, there's so much about this guy she doesn't know at all, you know? Yeah,
1: another red flag for Nozomi. Just a little a little <laughs> nudge girl. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like I need to also point out, especially in terms of like romance and subtext and stuff, that a lot of people will consider the relationship between cotton and milk to be very similar or like they put it on the same kind of pedestal <laughs> as the other kind of fairy pairings I guess mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I know there are a lot of people that that ship those characters especially in the second season so oh really yeah I think it's a pretty big ship
1: I did not know people aren't telling me things I feel like I'm not as connected <laughs> to the pre community as I should be
0: that's fine. I think it's it's fine. You know, it's, I can't say I'm super connected either, but yeah, that is definitely a pretty common ship, or like, people will say stuff like, oh, yeah, cotton and um, Milk have a relationship, kind of like syrup and udara, and Nozomi and Coco, and they don't talk about what that suggests, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is interesting. I think that You know, it it would be weird in the first season for me, but now that she has a human form, it's like, why not? I guess. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I guess. If the other girls are dating fairy people, why not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not something I personally feel strongly about, but I I have seen it as like a a take, I guess. So I think it's good to point out as well.
1: Their color palettes look good together.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's something. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely very important for a Magical Girl series. Mm -hmm. Speaking of love triangles, I think about midway through the series, we kind of start to see that the curator of Eternal is interested in the Cure Rose Garden because he has a connection to Flora. And it's not really clear Mm -hmm. what that connection is exactly, but by the end, we can see that he had had some sort of a relationship with her before she seemed to shut him out. Or at least that's how he sees the chain of events. But yeah, he's hoping that if he goes to the Kirvos garden, he will get to spend eternity there. That's his goal, right? Is to have eternal life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Flora is a very mysterious character for most of the series because she's, like, kind of sleeping, I guess. She's, like, talking through messages, like, mail and stuff, but, like, otherwise not really present, I guess.
1: She's a very, like, passive character, but she's also, like, super important. Right. It reminds me of, like, ooh, very loosely. When I say this, very loosely. (laughs) It, It kind of reminds me of how, like, In Steven Universe, I don't know if you've watched it, but, like, Mm -hmm. Rose Quartz is a very important character, but we never really get any information on her because she's dead in the series. right? So we we learn about her and we know things about her, but she is a very passive character that moves the story forwards.
0: Yeah, I I would say that is a fair comparison. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we've talked about so many characters (laughs) and there are still others we, we don't have time to mention, but, like... They all have different, you know, things that they're like active in the story, even like the four rulers and Coco and Nuts all get extra abilities like Coco and Nuts help with getting their power ups for their super attacks at the end, you know, for the second Mm -hmm. half of the series. And that's pretty interesting because Coco has his power that he gives to the five cures. But Nuts has one that's just for Milky Rose. You know, it's like they get the, the crown and have, like, this king power. And they're both kings, you know, in, I guess in that way.
1: Yes, the two kings.
0: Yeah, and so, like, the other rulers also have their own powers that they help with. Like, Princess Krip is very important also for Milky Rose because she, like, helps make the Milky Mirror. Gosh, there's so much Milky items. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's a very interesting like whole thing with all of them, where like, they're all very active, in at least a little bit of a way. Yeah. But yeah, Flora is just kind of this mysterious character that we don't know much about. Like you mentioned before with Anacondi, Anacondi is shown to like be in love with the curator, which is, again, no good, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. it's not, not the best business practice, not don't do it.
0: Yeah, but, you know, she is definitely doing everything and is so devoted to the company out of this uh, love, which does come back to by her. Uh, She becomes kind of like the final, not the final, the penultimate villain, I guess, where she is fighting against the Cure's and Milky Rose uh, in front of the gate to the Cure Rose Garden. The four rulers are all there trying to help protect them and all of that. But finally, the curator says that he wants to keep the Precure as part of the Eternal Collection. Yeah. That was so (laughs) wild. I was very surprised. But, I mean, it, it was interesting. It's very clear that she's, like, very... Like, Gorgon-like or Medusa-like, so...
1: Yeah, so it makes sense, the payoff. right. And, like, it works in two ways, like you said. So, she's very, like, Snake Gorgon-esque. She can turn them into stone. Mm -hmm. But also, he can use them to put them into the museum now. And now they have no more enemies because they're stone. What are they going to do? They're rocks.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. It seems like it's going to be, like, the end of everything, right? Because the Precure are just... They're stone, but he went after the pre-cure and he didn't go after milky rose so that's important as well as the cure rose garden is getting invaded and eventually attacked by the curator you know meanwhile okay. in the museum B- boomie comes back and he helps milky rose and cocoa and nuts to find the cures and bring them back so it's really nice there's also a whole thing about seeds that are important throughout this season so the cure rose garden as the name suggests is a rose garden (laughs) huge surprise but it also is representative of the world so if you attack the cure rose garden you're also attacking the world which is shown later but in the cure rose garden like flora gives out rose seeds i don't know if they actually are what rose seeds look like but sure
1: <laughs> they're magical goal forms of it it's fine
0: it's yeah yeah and so you know she had given away a blue seed that was sent to milk and that's how milk became milky rose because she planted this seed and it turned into a blue rose and it gave her the power of milky rose milky rose yeah it was great so likewise she had sent these seeds to the curator and they are representative of this, like, infinite power that uh, is a common theme in, I guess, in Freak here, but just in worlds in general, right? Like, bosses that mm-hmm. want infinite power. He doesn't see the, the function of these seeds. He doesn't understand this meaning behind them. And so he doesn't think that they're worth anything because they don't look like anything yet. But the whole idea is that seeds have that potential to become these beautiful things which i think is so great (laughs) yeah and then
1: like it plays on um the corporation thing too like we're corporations on very much so like we need to know this is going to sell immediately it's not really about potentials it's about like what's going to be good right now so Mm -hmm. it makes sense like what is he going to do with this and also just like even within like the museum setting what what is a seed gonna do?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so he kinda just throws them away, but they're able to pick up these seeds and use them to bring the precure back and they get like superpower. They have like wings now, so that's cool. They can fly around. Yes. Yeah. And they rush to the Cure Rose Garden and fight off the curator. It was a very interesting like final battle and everything. Again, just a lot of action. It's, like, very dangerous and stuff. Bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. After Anacondi turned the girls to stone, he killed her. Yeah! She's dead! <laughs> I was like, he what? her! <laughs> it's kind of complicated, right? Because, like, again, so she... We don't know how he feels about her, but, like, she clearly is, like, in love with him. And so... Mm-hmm after he's, like, ready to go, he's like, okay, I'm gonna go to the Rose garden and go to Flora. Anacondi feels betrayed by this, and so she's like, no, I won't let you go, and, like, tries to stop him, and that's why he kills her. And it's like, he shouldn't have killed her, of course, but at the same time, it's also, like, why was she thinking that that was gonna be, like, the correct approach? Yeah.
1: Because, like, you've been trying to help him get to this one place. You know, this is where he wants to go, so... that was bad form on her part (laughs) trying to stop an evil man from like completing his evil mission when he doesn't love you
0: right yeah very
1: sad that's that's how it it ended for her at least if she went down fighting the cure she would have been like well at least i got to die like protecting him like the man that i love right but no he did not see it that way Mm -hmm,
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm Yeah, it makes me wonder about, like, the corporation, like, allegory. Like, what does this mean? Like, I don't know. It's like, you until the very end, like, even if you're the second in command, you can't trust the corporation, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very much so, like, we're all replaceable in the machine or whatever.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) A lot of talk about capitalism today. Yeah. Her death was really surprising. I understand narratively why it happened, but it was like, oh, okay. And then, like, it affects him later when he's, like, fighting off. And, like, he basically tries to kill Flora. You know, he's, like, so angry at her. And, like, Anacondas like, death affects him somehow in that. It's weird. But, yeah, so he gets defeated in any case.
1: Mm -hmm. like
0: he just doesn't see until the very end like the potential and all of that but you know it was an interesting finale like still exciting to see the girls doing like one last move and it's all together everyone is like putting all their power into things and yeah they are able to help help flora before she goes because she uh, passes away
1: yeah and that's why i said it was very bittersweet because like yeah the villains died but like The person who we were kind of trying to protect the whole season, her and the garden are also dead. Like, the garden's alive, but Flora is dead now. So it's like, wow.
0: Yeah, but the girls are now tasked with uh, taking care of the garden. So now it becomes a thing that, like, Rin and Karen go to the garden every day. Uh, Milk does tours of the garden. Yes, it's so cute. It's very cute, yes. And they're all working together to take care of this place and also let other people enjoy it as well, which is a very interesting, like, dynamic, and you know, obviously a comparison to the Museum of Eternal, mm-hmm. which no one was allowed to go into, and of just keeping all of these things just to have them. But yeah, I think it was a very interesting kind of, like, a community effort and all of that. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, like, it was a very sweet ending i think it was a really nice message overall like all this use of like nature and the garden and everything is really really nice just nice
1: yeah very (laughs) very sweet very romantic feeling very delicate vibes delicate Mm -hmm. but also powerful very strong this season had a lot of good stuff in it i really enjoyed it yeah
0: would you say that you prefer this season to the previous season for yes Precure 5
1: I'm going to say yes, but I'm saying yes because of Milky Rose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, like, she was a really, really great addition to the team. Like, you know, sometimes it does kind of feel like it's a little bit extra. Like, with Precure, we're getting an extra, basically an extra team member to the group every year at this point.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty solid for the last couple of years.
0: So, like, this addition, like, having six members it's very difficult to handle, right? Like, we're kind of also seeing that with the five this year with Tropical Rouge, where people are like, hey, Mm -hmm. we need an episode about this character. What's going on? I mean, this season's also very strong. But like, yeah, I just think that, you know, considering that they were already establishing all this stuff the first season, it was impressive. And also, I do think they could have had fewer villains. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like, They still were really interesting. Yeah, I don't know, like, if I were to choose which villain should go, like, who should go exactly? Maybe we don't need the brothers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, we can maybe live
0: without them. (laughs) They were kind of strange, yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, sea anemone and hermit crab. Um, Yeah. I don't know, their designs are not as good, I think, um, especially their monster form. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I felt like um, the bug themes were really strong. The mm-hmm. bug themes were strong. And then, you know, Anacondas snake theme was really strong. Mm. But the Sea Brothers weren't really hitting <laughs> it too
0: well. <laughs> yeah, it was a little unfortunate. Because, like, the nightmare villains are also, like, very numerous. But they were all pretty strong characters regardless. So, like, mm-hmm. it was interesting to see, like, oh, what is this character going to do? This season, like, yeah, they were kind of uninteresting. Scorp was kind of okay. He was all right. He was fine. Also, didn't, like, Nebatakos, the octopus one, was kind of weird as well.
1: You see what I'm saying? It's it's the sea ones. Once they go, once they go <laughs> with the ocean theme for the season, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because obviously you know tropical Rouge Precure is going on right now, and all of the villains are from the ocean, and they're really great. But yeah, I just think that it's it's mostly about numbers. Like they just didn't need as many as they had. I think. Yeah. yeah. Macario was a very interesting one. He's you no, know, he's a centipede themed uh, villain. Interestingly, despite that, when he's in his human form, he's like a super hot guy, and it's like what? <laughs> it's it's a very interesting dynamic for sure. Like I mean. I'm not saying he is, but, like, that's how he's being presented. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but then he has one of the, I guess, strongest, like, one-off episodes, I think. Well, actually, it's two episodes where he does the game show with them. That is a really wild time. But I think that, yeah, just having so many villains and, like, so many different kinds of shenanigans that these villains cause does kind of crowd things up too much, and that's why we don't get as much... Good, like, story stuff with the girls, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, I think they do the best they can with all that they have. It's Mm -hmm. very much so, like... Think of, like, a full dinner table. There's a lot on the table, but at least (laughs) it looks nice. It looks nice and it tastes good.
0: (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you didn't get into, like, you know, all the stuff with Syrup. So Syrup, his whole thing, like we said, he when he starts off, he doesn't know what happened he doesn't know where he came from but he knows that he needs to go back to the cure rose garden so it's like he's sure that his answers will be there
1: and he teams up with the pre-cure so he can find out
0: yeah he finds himself like unsure of what to do it turns out that like at one point he had worked for eternal for a little bit but didn't remember and you know he's feeling really torn about that and like whether he's good or bad or Whatever, but it turns out that he was a fairy born in the Kuro's Garden and like raised there by Flora. Flora's his mommy. He doesn't call her that a mom, but like she is. (laughs) She
1: raised him. Yeah.
0: And then also that Melpo was a rose that he raised in the Kuro's Garden and the rose. Loved him so much that he became like a living thing. And that's like the cutest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It is, it is. Yeah.
1: Like imagine loving something so much. It just wants to be with you forever. That's so cute.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for a character that doesn't actually speak other than saying like, it's own name like a Pokemon. It's very, very energetic personality, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, overall, you know, fun, fun season for sure. So before we go, is there anything else you wanted to say about this season?
1: I highly recommend that you guys watch these seasons or, you know, watch the series, Yes Precure and the Yes Precure 5 Go-Go. They're very fun. I like the story a lot. It's a really solid story. You'll be invested. You'll, you'll really like seeing the girls. Watch the movie too. The movie is fun. Mm-hmm. Just get into the season. Have a good time.
0: Yeah, we have not talked about any pre movies yet, but definitely we will in the future. Ooh. So, yeah, we're keeping those separate for now. Any series with a movie, we're not talking about them along with the series.
1: That's valid. There's a lot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Those will be fun to look forward to. Yeah. When you watch the Healing Good movie from this year, you will see all six girls and they're using the, the other attacks and stuff are from this season, which are... More active attacks for everyone. Um, Yes. Yeah, which is great. It's really used well for like great fighting and stuff, which I think is also, again, very much like something that becomes the standard for later seasons.
1: Also, before we go, I want to make this note because I remember remember seeing this earlier. Mm -hmm. Cure Lemonade's chain attack reminds me of Sailor Venus and I thought that was very cute.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: Like, it makes sense for Toei to kind of, like, pull the the similar strings. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, like, one of those, like, subtle homage-type things that I thought that was kind of nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're both idols, so that works also. <laughs>
1: yeah, both idols, both yellow color, both have chains. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Love to see
0: it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if that is the direct connection, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were referencing that, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, great, so yes, um, before we go, we have our final question, which is, what do you hope to see in the future of the genre of magical girls?
1: Oh man, what do I hope to see in the future of magical girls? I think just more diversity, and it's definitely coming, but it's just gonna take some time. Mm-hmm not necessarily with stories being darker cuz we we've seen a good amount of dark magical girl stories at this point but i'd say having a solid adventure i think if we get to have like a solid like adventure magical girl series where it is maybe monster of the week but there's more traveling for the girls would be really fun to see in a series mm. i can't not all magical girl series have romance but Maybe like a strong rivalry would be really good to see. Hmm. I think that would be really fun. I think (laughs) my thing about Magical Girls with my media, in my mind, I was, I'm just kind of like, I want to make the perfect in-between between between, like a shonen and a shoujo. So Hmm. I would like to see a Magical Girls take with all the properties that make shonens so good, but like, in an all magical girls series. I think that could be amazing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Would you say that in the work that you are making that you're gonna you're trying to do all of those things as well?
1: I feel like in future projects that's something I'd wanna do. Hmm. Cause in my current projects I'm doing magical girls stories that are really diverse with like the characters because a lot of my magical girls range in ages, so in my current story that I'm pitching mystic monarchs which used to be book county Mm -hmm. the youngest magical girl one of our main characters kiki is 13 but technically the oldest magical girls in the series uh using girls lightly are in their 40s and 50s so There's moms that are magical girls. There's grandmas that are magical girls. just very much expanding upon Mm -hmm. the realm of magical women. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing more of that in the future and any other magical girl projects you have. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes, thank you. Great.
0: So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you and follow you online?
1: Yeah, if you're looking to follow me, you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter at Petal Romance. Those are the best places you can find me. I'll have my website back up in about a week or two. And it'll also be under Petal Romance. And uh, hopefully, if you're interested in my stories, you can find them there. Oh, you can find me on Patreon, too, at Petal Romance.
0: Great. And all of those links will be in the show notes so people can just click on over. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks again for coming on the podcast, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Same to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag Sparkle Side Chats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Magical Girl spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Iu she knows, AYU You can also email us at SparkleSideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls twenty four seven, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. You can also find that link in the show notes. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. You can also support me directly as an artist there. I do commissions and also sell prints on imprint. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the You section, as we are not picky here. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at A Few Bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.